Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. The art of living a worthy life together. That's the text and title of this entire series, based on the text chosen by our Vitality team and a group of folks uh, from this church who are members of this church last fall as we met together to seek the story of Bethany. The art of living a worthy life together begins with a call that's initiated by God, a call that pursues us not only to submit our lives to Jesus Christ, but also to follow him, a call that begins our transformation from the old person to the new one that he's making in us to become like Jesus. Our need is to listen to the call of God because it continues day by day. The art of living a worthy life together includes character qualities that God puts within us, the qualities of humility, gentleness, patience, and love. And later in another one of his letters, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the qualities he plans to build into us in making us into a new creation. The art of living a worthy life together recognizes that God places us in a culture of oneness. There is one body, one spirit, one glorious hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is all the work of the one God who started it all, who is present with us in it all, and to whom it all culminates. This is what Jesus was praying about in his high priestly prayer when he said, Father, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. This morning, we continue in the text and discover that God gives gifts that will help us to live a worthy life together. He doesn't give us the full gift list in this text. He gives us four gifts, the structural leadership gifts of his church. Unlike the past message where I've given an overview of the part of the text we're unwrapping, this morning I want to do something different. I want to just plumb into one word in the text, the word apostles, the gift of apostleship. It's like the other three listed in this text. It is basic to the health and the purpose of his church. Here's the plan. Apostle. What is the word? Who is an apostle? And what does an apostle do? We begin. What is the word? Apostolos is the Greek word we find that we translate apostle. It literally means one who is sent. Synonyms would be things like ambassador or delegate or spokesman. We find the word apostolos listed 82 times in the New Testament. 74 of those times are in the writing of Luke, his gospel, and the book of Acts, and in the letters of Paul. Luke was Paul's close friend and traveling companion, his personal physician, the only Gentile author of the New Testament. Paul himself had a great passion to be considered as one of the apostles, also a sent one. In Matthew and Mark, the word is used only once in each of those Gospels. Peter uses the word three times in his letters. The Revelation of John contains the word apostolos three times, 
But John's gospel and his three letters don't have it at all. That accounts for all 82 of its appearances in the New Testament. The word apostolos, one who is sent, an ambassador, that's the word. Who's an apostle? I think you already know. Those 12 original disciples of Jesus were referred to as apostles. They were sent ones. These 12 disciples were considered very unique. That's why they were given that name. It's very clear in the scripture. However, that is where the clarity ends. I want to give you some other texts to consider, to ponder when it comes to what it means to be an apostle and who is included in that group. In Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus sending out 70 in groups of two. Does that make these others apostles? They also were sent. They were sent out by Jesus. We don't know most of their names, but are they apostles? Or go to Acts 1, following the death of Judas Iscariot, the 11 remaining apostles replaced him with a man whose name was Matthias. Does that make Matthias an apostle? Or we go on in the letters of Paul, we find that Paul, the persecutor of the church when his name was Saul in Jerusalem, he's converted and claims to have been called by Christ and sent by Christ to be an apostle, a sent one to the Gentile world. It is ironic that Paul, the most strict Pharisee of Pharisees, the one who was Jewish and Jewish only, the one who would never darken the door of a Gentile home because of his strict understanding and teaching of the law, is called by Jesus, transformed by Jesus, and becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, us folk, who would otherwise have been excluded, apparently. It is ironic. Or we look at the church in Antioch in Acts 13. A time of prayer ends with the Holy Spirit calling out Paul and Barnabas to be sent as ambassadors of God to the Gentiles. Does that validate that Paul is an apostle? But now what about Barnabas? He's the other one. Was he also an apostle? A sent one? Or we go to Acts chapter 14. We find there's a debate going on in the city of Iconium. And listen to what is written there. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. And as far as we know, the only two disciples of Jesus Christ that were present at Iconium at that time were Paul and Barnabas. Once again, are Paul and Barnabas viewed as apostles, as sent ones? Not a part of the original twelve, but are they the apostles of God? And then you turn to Romans chapter 16, verse 7, and we read, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who've been in prison with me, Paul writes. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. End of quote. Does that mean that these two were considered to be apostles as well? Or does it mean that the apostles thought highly of them? That is also a possibility. And then you go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, 
holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. End of quote. Jesus is considered an apostle. The sender of the disciples, the sender of the disciples is himself a sent one, an ambassador on behalf of the Father. So, you may be saying by now, okay, thank you, Craig, that's great. What in the world does that mean? What is that all about? What are you doing? I want you to see that a case can be made for apostles in addition to the original 12. A biblical case, a sound biblical case can be made for it. There is no place in Scripture that says this gift no longer exists. There are some who teach and preach that this and many other gifts of the Holy Spirit ended at the death of John the Apostle around 100 A.D. He was the last of the original 12. But I'm convinced that the gift of apostleship is alive. It's alive today, that there are present-day apostles even in our midst. And so for a few moments, I want you to consider with me what an apostle does and begin to see the possibility that we have apostles right here in our fellowship and apostles that live in our area that we know by name. The first thing is that an apostle begins as a disciple of Jesus. Peter was a disciple before he was called an apostle. He was a follower of Jesus. Peter followed, Peter listened, Peter learned. And if you were to really study his life, and I did a Bible study on Peter that lasted three and a half years, as we looked at every single thing that uh, Peter did in the Gospels, all four of them, everything that was written about him in the book of Acts, everything that was written about him in the letters of Paul, and everything that he wrote himself, his own letters. It took a long time, but Peter followed, he listened, he learned, until one day in Caesarea, the inland Caesarea at the headwaters of the Jordan, we find that Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And not long after that, He's made an ambassador of the Christ he believes in as his Savior and Lord. So first thing apostle does is become a disciple of Jesus. And then Jesus chooses to send ambassadors in his name. What do ambassadors do? They establish embassies. That's what an ambassador does. They establish embassies. Embassies are places where the message of the one who sent them is given. The messages of Jesus who sends us. Embassies are places where disciples of Jesus meet to learn, to grow, to be encouraged by one another. Embassies are are places found amid another's territory, whether that other is a friend or a foe. An embassy is located there for the people of Jesus to meet and be encouraged and helped. Embassies are places where people can find refuge. Embassies are places where people can connect with home. Ambassadors establish embassies, safe, healthy 
God-directed places for others who are following Jesus. The ambassador who establishes an embassy is an apostle. That's the gift being acted out. Gary Carlson is a son of this church. And for many decades, he has served in the country of Japan with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This church sent him. This conference joined in the sending of him. Our denomination at annual meeting prayed over him and sent him to the country of Japan to bring the gospel to a place where people believe in gods for everything. Gods for everything. Multiple gods for everything. He went to establish an assembly, um, a place, an an embassy where the gospel of Jesus Christ could be heard. And he's done an amazing job in a land that has been very difficult to reach. He's been an embassy maker. Gary Carlson, I believe, has the gift of apostleship as do most of our missionaries, have the gift of apostleship, where they establish places for the gospel to be proclaimed and people to find refuge and help and hope and life in Jesus Christ. Just up the road from us in the city of Hartford, Phil Beatty has placed a church called the Hartford City Church. And just like the missionaries, church planters are women and men who clearly have a gift of apostleship being acted on as they plant embassies called churches, new places, new locations, a new gathering of people, a reaching out in the community in which they dwell. And Phil Beatty is one of those who's gifted with the gift of apostleship, just a few miles up the road. And you can look across this conference in particular. I am so glad to be a part of the East Coast Conference. It's good to see you, Howard. Glad to see you with your wife. Glad to see you home in your home church. It's good to have you here. But under Howard's leadership, this conference has become a church planting mecca. This is a place that's doing more to plant churches, plant embassies for Christ, and recognize that these planting pastors, men and women, are being apostles in their communities in bringing people to Jesus. They also happen to be gifted as pastors and teachers. Some of them are also very gifted in the area of prophecy, speaking forth the word of God. There's so many gifts that are in the lives of these women and men. And there are apostles among us. I know of two in this church right now that are undergoing training to set up a fresh embassy in this place for the care of people who've been broken. That's the establishment of an embassy. That's an exercising of the gift of apostleship, places of refuge, of encouragement, of hope and help, people who bring us back to basics, laying again the foundation of our faith in our midst, back to God, back to prayer, back to the study of the scriptures. People who do this are exercising the gift of apostleship. You see, It's so confusing by people because of the teaching that's been done over the decades that you're given a gift and that's it. Maybe you got two if you're really, really fortunate. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. 
The Holy Spirit is free to gift any follower of Jesus with any one of those gifts as he will. You may generally have a gift of teaching, for example, but it may be needed in a certain place in a certain time for the gift of wisdom to be exercised. And God, the Holy Spirit, will only be limited by our unwillingness to allow him to use us. Because the Holy Spirit can use any of us any time to do any of those gifts. There are people in our midst who have a gift of healing. Somehow the Holy Spirit works through them and people begin the healing process as they pray and lay on hands and anoint with oil. But any of us can have this gift because it's the Holy Spirit who is in us. And through him, that gift can be exercised. It's limited, again, only by our lack of trust or faith in him to do what he wants in any moment. So I want to get even more personal now with you. Who are the persons that bring you back to basics? Who are the people that draw you back to God? Who are the people that draw you into prayer? Who are the people that draw you into the scriptures to begin to wrestle with what the scriptures tell us? Who are the persons that give you refuge, that give you encouragement, that give you hope, that give you help? Who are those people for you? Those people are exercising the gift of apostleship in your behalf. Thank them. Bless them. One step further. Who are the people in your life that are looking to you to bring them back to basics? Look to you to get them back with God. Are looking to you for prayer. Are looking to you for opening the scriptures and reading and studying them together. Who are the persons that you give refuge to, that you encourage, that you give hope to and help in their time of need? That's the gift of apostleship being exercised in our life. Does that drive you? Does that intrigue you? Does that move you? May the Spirit of God have his way and his sway in each of us for this. In a few moments, we'll be celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion. That is really the central act of worship. And you are invited. The gift of apostleship is at the center of the church, the body of Christ, the embassy of God in the world. And it is also something we are invited to. Who invites you? Who do you invite to the place of refuge? The gift of the Holy Spirit, the apostle, is alive and well today. May we give it place in our life together. Pray with me. Holy Father, I pray that your Spirit will be poured out in our lives. That you will raise up apostles in our midst who by your grace and by your gifting establish embassies here in the church 
together in homes and as ambassadors in our places of work or school. O Father, pour out the gift and power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who gives these gifts. Amen.